Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are on episode 99 we are going to party like it's 1999, my friends. Hey, we have got a, a great episode for you today. Before we get into today's episode, let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, the Speaker Lab Summit, all right? You've been hearing me talk about it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. What have you been waiting on? If you haven't picked up your ticket, you need to, like, do not pass go. Go directly to thespeakerlabsummit.com because here's the deal. The summit uh, is a completely online, completely virtual. You don't have to travel anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere. It's completely free, but it ends September the 23rd, which is in just a couple of days. So if you want to uh, to pick up your free pass, you can go over to the speakerlabsummit.com where you're going to be able to learn from 40 plus of the world's best speakers and experts and authorities. So definitely go over to the speakerlabsummit.com and pick up your free pass. All right. So today we're going to be talking with my buddy, Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy is a, a great guy, definitely one of the best speakers that I've ever seen. And Jeremy and I actually used to attend the the same church in Missouri until I moved to uh, to Nashville. We've played a lot of ping pong together. We've done some speaking together, and it's just a really really great guy. So one of the things we talk about today is uh, he speaks at church uh, around forty five times a year, forty five different talks. Now I know for a lot of speakers, they're just like I don't even know. I'm having a difficult time coming up with one or two or three talks. How do you come up with forty five? So we just talk about that. What's the process for that? We talk about what his annual weekly process looks like to prepare talks. We talk about how he has his radar up throughout the year for different ideas and illustrations. Uh, and then we also talk about, you know, when you're given that many talks, what do you do when a talk doesn't go well? So we kind of talk about his his thoughts on that as well. But uh, again, great guy, great communicator. I think you're going to learn a lot here. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy, Jeremy Johnson. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by my good friend, Jeremy Johnson, who is a, uh, a great speaker. In fact, one of my favorite speakers that I've ever seen and a, a ping pong wizard. I mean, he's he's gotten better since I've been working with him and he's, he's made a lot of uh, progress and improvement, but still got a little ways to go on me, but that's neither here nor there. So you want to speak to that at all? You know, I don't want to <laughs> mess up your credibility, but I got to tell you, I'm feeling really good. Not only do I call it ping pong now, I've moved up to calling it table tennis. Ah, uh, yes. You've been watching a little bit of Olympics. Have you watched any Olympics uh, table tennis? I haven't watched a lot of table tennis. I've been focusing more on diving to finish any type of sprint. So I've been doing that around the house, around the office. So that's a great technique. That's good to know. So uh, Jeremy's uh, he's been a pastor for several years and is, again, a, a great speaker. He's at a church where he and I had met a couple years ago. I've had the opportunity to see him speak many, many times. And so I wanted to have Jeremy on because, A, I know that he's a phenomenal speaker, but also he is someone that in the church world, in his role as a lead pastor of a, of a pretty good 
good-sized church that has multiple services on a weekend, he's coming up with new talks every single week. And so that's always been a challenge for a lot of speakers is I'm just trying to come up with one talk. And whereas, you know, in, in Jeremy's case and many pastors around the world, you're coming up with a lot of content. So uh, let's just start with this, Jeremy. Give us kind of a big picture view of who you are, what you do, kind of how you get into this and, and kind of your world in speaking, because you've done a lot in the church world, but you've also done a lot speaking outside of the church as well. Yeah, absolutely. When I was uh, coming out of college, I was a youth pastor for eight years, and I really enjoyed any type of ability to encourage people, whether that was a student, you know, we had to speak weekly as a youth pastor. So one of my biggest challenges out of the bat was I had to figure out how can I talk for 30 minutes at a time and engage uh, teenage students. And so that was, uh, that was something I took seriously, tried to get better and better at, eventually started speaking at some other events in addition to my youth pastor uh, gig. And uh, then I got to a spot where for five years, uh, I went and did school assemblies and had a great time. I enjoyed being able to speak a few different messages uh, multiple times instead of several uh, messages each month that were always new. I did that for five years, then ended up back in the church world. So at this point, I'm in, I'm in Springfield, Missouri, pastoring a church, and I speak 45 times a year uh, each week, and I'll speak about five or six times the same message. But it's crazy because Every week, I have to come up with a new message at least 45 times a year. And so I've had to re-learn you know, learn some, some tools of how do you come up with content? How do you keep things fresh? How do you keep it engaging? Because I really like that part of school assemblies, and I want to do that even if I have to speak more often. Yeah. And again, like I kind of alluded to, that's that's always been such a huge, huge challenge in the church world is for me speaking and for most speakers who are speaking, you always have a new audience. And so you can do the same messaging and do that talk over and over and over and over again. I've had the, the, the privilege to speak at, at your church uh, multiple times. And part of the challenge is like that audience has seen you. And so you have to come up with a new talk. And as soon as you're done on Sunday, there's another weekend coming a couple days from now and you got to come up with a new talk. So I want to just kind of walk through your process on that. So if you're doing, let's say, 45 weeks in a year, which is way too many, you got to cut back on that, dude. Uh, <laughs> like, where do you even begin to know? Is it just like, okay, I just wrapped up Sunday and now another Sunday's coming. So let's just, let's try to figure it out from there. Or how far out are you planning? What's, what's kind of that process like big picture? Well, one of the big challenges is in a church world, it's kind of crazy. They expect you to speak out of the same book too every week. And so, um, you know, and, and people don't like it when you add to it. So we've got the same content we've got to figure out. So here's what I do is I, on an annual basis, uh, typically for me, it's, it's in October. I look at the, the next year and I knock out here is here are the series that I want to do. So basically, I take one key idea. So the same concept when I was a school assembly speaker would be like, okay, here's the here's the big idea for that assembly. I, I will take that for every series. I usually have anywhere from ten to twelve series in a year, going from four to six weeks. So I just kind of lay that out and and I'll think of what are some things that everyone deals with because you got to start with your audience in mind and and so throughout the year I collect series ideas. I just see other church series ideas. I see any other good talk ideas from TED Talks. You know, if if a lot of the TED Talks are about purpose or about identity or about uh, time efficiency, I just collect great topics and or great marketing of topics, great series titles. So I keep a document of that uh, throughout the year. So then in October, 
I really look at this list and I think about it and say, okay, what are 10 to 12 main ideas that will be helpful for the people I'm speaking to in the next year? So it really starts with an annual meeting. I mean, that's the biggest deal is I nail down, here's the direction we're going and try and keep it simple as what are 10 to 12 things we want to hit. So in that actual document, is that, what is that, like an Evernote doc or a Word doc or what, like, what does that look like? And even like, how is that for like kind of set up and structured of, hey, here's a, a I saw this TED talk, so I'm just going to throw that link in there. Or are you trying to structure as you go? Like, what does that kind of look like in the, the document itself? For me, I use Word docs. I've got some buddies who, who use Evernote and that might even be more effective. But for what I do is I just, I call them my buckets, man. I'm always putting something in the bucket. So that bucket of series ideas, anytime I see something, if it's a magazine, I'm taking a picture. If I'm traveling and it's in one of those magazines, a really cool article that has nothing to do with church, but it's something that gives me a great idea about what I can do for my audience. I take a picture of that, email it to it, send that thing to the doc, to the bucket in my word doc. Um, so whether it's collecting something online, a story, a picture, illustration idea, anywhere I go, whether I'm on a cruise ship and I'm just being entertained or whether I'm reading a book before I'm done with that event, I take any ideas, put it on paper and then put it in my uh, bucket for uh, series ideas. So it's just a brain dump uh, throughout the entire Absolutely. year. And so I think the, the important thing though, and I remember uh, I remember hearing a speaker talk about this several years ago, and they said, basically, you have to have your radar up throughout the year of those things where you come across of, like you said, I read an article or this funny thing happened, or here's an interaction with my spouse, or I saw this other idea online and something happened. And I have to have like the, just the radar up enough to go, I can use that. I don't know how I'm going to use that. I don't know when or where I'm going to use that, but I know I could use that at some point. And so it's just, a, are you just in the habit of just as soon as it happens, just immediately going to the dock and, and putting it in there? Absolutely. Number one question I get from people who have to speak often is where do you get all your content? And the truth is I don't have any more time than anybody else. I just try and be aware. You have your antenna up and, and anything that moves me, anything that I enjoy, any commercial that's funny. And as a speaker, we, we all know as speakers that, that if you move the emotions, then all of a sudden you have an access to the mind. And so anything that moves my emotions, I try and ask, why did that move me? How did that make me feel? And why did it make me feel that way? And then I say, is there a way I can utilize those same principles to be able to impact somebody else. So if I hear of a great story, for example, you know, with the Olympics, with a gal who just dove to win a split second, she mm -hmm. did something untraditional. It's funny. It's out there. Everyone's got some fun memes on it. Well, I can take that and figure out how that can apply. So I'm going to dump that into my Word doc and put that in a bucket and say, okay, this is a great story. Everyone's familiar with it. How do I help that familiarity lead me to explore something in somebody else's life. So I'm always looking for everything that we all see, just being intentional about documenting it. And so from there, so then if we fast forward to that October kind of planning session, you're looking ahead to the next year. You've got, if you've got 45 weeks to fill with something, what does that process look like from there? How are you pick, figuring out which series are going to go where, which topics you're going to cover at which time? If you want to do, you wanted to talk about parenting, like how do you determine should that be in March or should that be in April? You know, and uh, like what does some of those nuances look like? Well, in the church world, I'm thinking of a few different things. So I start with summer. Everyone's on vacation and doing things. And so I'm going to do less 
guest friendly type of series then. So I might go through a book of the Bible um, in a couple times in the summer months, something that is less topical, less engaging as far as marketable. And so I'm going to take when are our biggest guest opportunities? That's for are the church world it seems to be February and September. That's when most guests show up. So I'm going to do something that's a felt need. I'm going to talk about relationships in February. I'm going to talk about money or business or work in the fall. I'm going to talk about family, parenting, maybe in the fall. So I'm going to take my felt need topics. I'm going to put those during my high points of the year. And then I'm going to take my other ones and move it right after Easter. I'm going to take another great fun topic and put it right after Easter. So everyone shows up at Easter the next week. Oh, here's a topic that sounds exciting and interesting. So I I sprinkle the calendar first with when are my high uh, guest times, put my most marketable series there. And then I put my, the important series, but aren't really marketable and aren't really geared towards guests in times guests aren't coming. And then I just kind of feel it from there. Gotcha. So whenever you're putting a series on the calendar, so if you're doing, let's say again, a a relationship series in February, do you know how many weeks that's going to be? Do you know like each week what you're going to be covering and how that's going to be different? Or is it at this point just like, I just know I'm doing a four week series on relationships in February. Like how granular do you get with it at that point? At that point, all I do is the amount of weeks. And so I have all the weeks and the topics. And then uh, as we get closer within six months out, so in October, I'm starting after, after I get all my series, then my next step is to do the first half of the year. Now I'll go granular. I'll say, okay, what are four main ideas to cover relationships? So here's the one big idea for the relationship series. What are four different ways we can communicate that big idea? And those four different ways become each weekly big idea for that series. So I will do that for probably at the end of October through June for my series. And then before I get to July, uh, earlier in the game, I'm doing that through December so that I always have a good six months of granular weekly deal. Then each of those, I create a file, create another bucket for those series. And so now anything on the topic of relationships, I dump in the bucket and then I could stop thinking about it right then until I'm speaking on that series. Are you doing some of that as you go as well of like you mentioned what we were talking about before, some of that is just the, I'm just going to throw this into the October annual planning and we'll just get to it come October. But if you know, I know that I'm going to do a relationship piece in, in February, are you going ahead and putting some of that stuff in there and just kind of, again, categorizing whether this should be an annual or whether I already know where this is going to go? Well, until I have my series buckets, and that doesn't happen until October when I identify my series and then create another bucket for each series. Until I have that, I've got just another bucket that I call extras. And I throw anything good, anything and everything good into this big bucket called extras. And that's content. Those are illustrations. Those are stories. Those are whatever it might be. Sound bites, pictures, funny pictures, whatever it might be, I throw into extras. So now, after I've determined, okay, I'm going to go to a relationship series, and now I want to start feeling my relationships bucket, the first thing I'm going to go do is look at my bucket called extras that I've collected, that whenever I don't have a specific bucket for something, it falls into the extras bucket. 
That's a big bucket full of a lot of awesome illustrations and content that's always sitting there waiting for the right series. Right. And one of the nice things for speakers is that you can take one story or illustration and you can spin it a lot of different ways. So I can take this one story about, you know, a first date and I can turn it into something related to relationships or I could turn it into something totally unrelated and go a different direction with that particular story. So is that kind of what you're doing at that point with the like potential stories or illustrations or ideas of okay, I see all this, like this big extras collection. Now do any of these, could I take any of these and go the direction that I need them to go? Is that kind of the nutshell? Absolutely. Is I never filtered down my search for content based on topic. And I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make. They're like talking on finances and they're trying to figure out. So they're, they're doing all this search on funny financial illustrations. And, and that limits the playing field way too much. So what you got to do is just, you look for funny illustrations and then what ones can you turn into finances? For example, like if it was this week and the hot thing is about, you know, the Olympics, you know, as we're recording this Olympics is going on. And so for me, I'm thinking, okay, what great funny illustration is coming out of the Olympics that we all know about? How can I turn that into a financial principle? So yeah, always taking a, any illustration, it can wear the costume for any topic you want it to wear. Okay, so you've got, and so it sounds like as you're even you're, you're you're doing your series planning, you know, you've got your big idea for the series, and then you have a big kind of a sub big idea for each individual week. Is that is that basically right? I have the sub big idea, but I don't create another bucket for that week. So okay. yeah, so when I get and then when I get to the series, so let's say uh, I, I mapped out all my series in October for the year, and now it is. I don't think about the relationship series in February until the first week of February when I have to prepare the message. I only think about the message the week of the preparation. And so what I do is I I'm always have my radars up, get it into the bucket, and then I stop thinking about it. So once I've got it in a bucket, it takes no more capacity in my mind because for me, I only have enough capacity to really think about what's ahead of me in the next week. Because part of the challenge for being a pastor in your role is you've got to speak 45 times and you've got to put together a really high quality talk every single week. But you also, in, in a lot of churches, you're also like running the church. You're the CEO. And so you have these all these operational things that you have to keep up with and maintain as well, in addition to having something fresh to say on the weekend. Yes. And so uh, for me, I've got to compartmentalize my schedule. So my calendar every week, it looks like it's the same is I I speak because we have multiple services, multiple campuses. We have a Saturday, Sunday weekend where I'm speaking the messages. So for me, every week is the same Monday. I don't even think about the message. A Monday is all about my team day. I'm, I'm doing my operations. I'm doing my business details, all meeting with staff, all that stuff. Tuesday is my prep day. So I don't schedule any outside meetings on Tuesday. Maybe I'll do a lunch, but outside of that, my calendar, I guard it. Tuesday is the day I prepare the next weekend's message. And so on Monday, I don't need to think about it. Tuesday, I have to come up with my outline. And, and my outline is what I send to the people who are going to hear the message. And I, for me, I, I do fill in the blanks or whatever I'm going to prepare for our tech team. So I've got to have that done uh, by the end of day Tuesday. So Tuesday morning, I come in, I go to the series bucket that I've collected over the last several months, and now I'm looking at all the stuff in the bucket through the lens of this next week's specific big idea. 
and I pull all the stuff that I think would be good for this next week's big idea into another document. And then I start just collecting stuff online. I go to my extras bucket. I start bringing anything out of that that looks like that might fit through the filter of this week's big idea. And I start getting that all on paper on Tuesday. So I don't think about the message till Tuesday. And on Tuesday, because I've got some preparation going into it, it gives me the ability to only think about it on Tuesdays. And so I go in, create all the content, get all the content, collect all the content, then look at it, create it into some navigating, something I can navigate towards a message, something that rings the bell in my gut. And, and I create the outline. That's what I do on Tuesdays. So by the end of Tuesday, you feel like you've got to have that weekend's message done, polished, ready to go? No, all I need to have by Tuesday, you know, I'm weird. So I don't know how this fits for everybody else. But for me, all I need is I need all the details of the outline. So if I'm doing fill in the blank notes, my team has all that to begin to get ready. My tech team has all the things that they need on, on to get ready by end of day Tuesday. So I don't go home on Tuesday until I've got my main idea, my outline and some good thoughts. Then I know I'm not ready to speak it yet, but it looks like every, everyone who needs to help me make that message happen has what they need. Any video, pictures, or outline tech things, they're already done by Tuesday. I still need a lot of work on it, but I'm done with that on Tuesday. Wednesday, I don't even think about my message. I do other stuff for the business, for the organization. And Thursday and Friday, I'm off. I don't even think about my message anytime. My wife always asks me on Friday, are you ready for your message tomorrow? And I always say, I'm as ready as I need to be on Friday. <laughs> I've got my outline done. And on Saturday morning, I come in and I've got about eight hours on Saturday before I have to speak. And I block that off. And that's when I feel in my outline, make sure all my content feels good. And I've got all the pieces. And so I'm just soaking in my message all day Saturday. So that Saturday night, when I speak for the first time for the weekend, I've had eight hours to really kind of marinate in the message. So outside looking in, that seems like that leaves very, very little wiggle room. Like I assume that over the course of 45 weeks where you would be speaking, that there's going to be times where something happens on a Tuesday that just jacks up your whole week and it makes it very, very difficult to get done. So do you have any buffer weeks in there or any buffer time where, where you try to stay a few weeks ahead or is it always just, no, no, I only want to be working on what I'm speaking on for that particular week? I don't have any buffer time. So for me, it's if something comes up Tuesday and in my nature of business, maybe I got to marry someone or bury someone. Okay. It happens on a Tuesday and something unexpected. I can't go to bed Tuesday until I have it done. So if that means I'm staying up till three in the morning. I can't wait till Wednesday to make it happen. So it's just part of the deal. If I know I'm going to be gone all day Tuesday, I've got to figure out how to do that Monday night and bump something on Monday. So I just know that if I'm going to speak on that weekend, that Tuesday it has to happen. And so, and then one of the big deals when I was speaking in public schools, and if you're doing the same message all the time, the key, I think most speakers would agree is that, you know, your content so well, you're spending all of your energy focusing on connection with the crowd, right? Because you're not having to worry about the content. For me, if I'm prepared and have my outline done Tuesday and I spend eight hours on Saturday going over it, my goal now is when I get up there, I'm not worried about my content. I'm focused completely on connection with the crowd. 
And that's my goal. That's why I need to have that time on Saturday. Well, and another thing too, as it relates to in the church world is if I'm going to a conference or an assembly or, you know, either of us are going to speak in that type of environment, you got to spend a lot of time building that rapport and connection up front with the audience because they have no idea who you are. You just happen to be the speaker. Whereas if you're speaking in the, the more or less the same audience every single week, you've got a lot of built-in history and rapport and connection. So you don't, you don't have to spend nearly as much time up front establishing this is who I am and this is why I'm here and this is why you should listen to me type of thing. Exactly. Now, so that allows us and it does force us and you can't skip this element. You've got to spend that time bringing credibility to your topic. So I don't have to spend time bringing credibility to me. I have to bring credibility to my topic. Why is what we're going to talk about today important? Why is that important in the church world? So the first five minutes of my message is all about identifying the problem that we all have. And I'm going to try and do it from an entertaining way. I'm going to try and do it uh, something of interest. Present the problem, get buy-in from the majority of the crowd that we all deal with this problem, and now give some direction. Hey, let's take this on together here the next several minutes. So as you're creating that talk from Tuesday to Saturday, what is that structure look like? Are you, by the time you get ready to get up there on Saturday night, is that basically an outline? Is that a manuscript? What are you working towards and kind of off of when you get ready to speak? Okay. So I have an outline that I created on Tuesday and that outline has my big idea, whatever text or main passage I'm looking at in, in my world that week. Then I would also have any key takeaways, you know, so it could be anywhere from three to seven fill in the blanks. So I've got that outline Tuesday on Saturday. I come in with just that outline on my document. And then I go back to my buckets. I go back to my relationship buckets that I worked on Tuesday. I go back to my extras bucket that I always have. That's really big. And I begin to fill that in and then I color code it. And so for me, when I get up there with my iPad, I've got everything color coded. I've got my, everything that's an outline. I've got it highlighted in yellow. So everybody, so I will know when I see yellow, that's something I have to communicate. Anything that's a tech it's a picture. It's a video. I've got it highlighted in red. And so, and if it's, it's a humor piece, I've got it highlighted in green. If it's Bible, I've got it highlighted in blue. If it's a story I tell, I've got it highlighted in orange. So I've got this color code and I've gone over it for hours and hours. So I have created a manuscript on Saturday morning of what I'm going to do. And then I color code it and I go over it. So the only thing I look at when I get up there are my colors. So as I'm kind of scanning on my iPad, I'm just looking for what's the next color. I can see what it's about. And I'm just going from bridge to bridge. I'm just bridging all my colors. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm taking the people on a journey from color to color to color. They never see the colors, obviously, but I'm, that's my note. So I'm not looking at a manuscript, even though I've prepared one. I hope a lot of that manuscript bleeds out in my presentation, but I know if I hit the colors, then they're going to get the points. I know for me, like whenever I go go speaking, especially if I'm doing new material, like I try to spend you know several hours like walking through the entire manuscript and going over it and going over it and going over it, really just trying to internalize it so that by the time I get up there, it feels like I really know where I'm going there. Do you spend much time or do you have the ability to spend much time on the actual like practice preparation rehearsal standpoint of just, it's all done. The manuscript's done. Everything's highlighted. How many times are you going through it? What does that look like? Or is it just kind of, Hey, for sake of time, I know what the highlights are. I'm going to hit those and just trust that the pieces fall into place because I've done this enough. Or like, what does that kind of look like? 
Well, I'm going to go over it a lot. I don't necessarily rehearse it, but I will read over it and over it and over it. And, and I will, then I will kind of quiz myself like old style flashcards where it'll be like, okay, when I get to this point, do I know enough of the unhighlighted content, the stuff that really is some meat? Do I know enough of that, that I can communicate that clearly? And so I need to know my material so well that when I get up there on stage, I can play jazz music with it, right. that I can just kind of ebb and flow. And so, so for me, it's just reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, and then just trust that I've got it by then. So one of the unique things about speaking in a, a church setting is you do, how many weekend services do you guys run now? How many times are you speaking? Six times during the, the during every weekend. So six times you're speaking, and having done that some with you, I know that every single service can feel different, even though you're giving the same message to different audiences. So are there any like things that you are structurally changing as you go that, oh, wow, I, I did it once and that just didn't work, or this did work, so I need to make sure I highlight that better? Like what, what happens between services or any adjustments that you make? Like for me, I have a couple services on Saturday. And so Saturday night, I'll do one message and then I'm driving to the, another campus and I've got a good 25 minutes to talk with some people on the way to say what worked, what didn't work as a speaker internally. I know what worked, what didn't work in some areas as well. And so for me, mostly those are timing issues because I need to, because of multiple services, I need to land the plane uh, at a certain time. And so if I didn't feel like I had enough time to really hit the point at the end, that means I need to change up what time I commit to each part of my message during the next service. So after I've done it one time, usually by the second time, I've got a much better feel for where I need a lot more time. And, and so I don't change a lot of the structure. If something just doesn't fly, I, I usually just feel like I didn't deliver it well, that it probably would fly if I delivered it better. So I would typically just rely on trying a different approach to something as opposed to just removing something. So my and then if something's really bad, then I'm like, eh, I got 44 more times <laughs> this year. So, okay, that's what I was wondering is, um, my assumption is in the course of, if you're doing 45 in a year, that there's going to be some that like, dang, that was good. That felt good. That all just came together. Everything clicked, you know, right place, right time. And then some where you're just like, I did the exact same thing I did the week before in terms of preparation and it just didn't connect. So I, I assume it's like, it's helpful, but it's not helpful that you have the constraints of Sunday is always coming. Sunday is always coming. As soon as you're done Sunday, you know, and I, you know, I guess in your case, you got a limited time because you got Saturday coming. So is there anything that you do like when, when a weekend in terms of the message doesn't feel like it goes well to just kind of like mentally wipe the slate clean to start fresh? <laughs> Yeah, I watch a lot of football. So what I really try and do is before I communicate, and this is true no matter what setting, whether it was schools or churches, is before I speak, absolutely take the time to convince myself that what I'm about to say is the most important thing these people will hear all year long. And I've got to believe that. I've got to be so confident in the content that this is going to be life-changing. And then as soon as I'm done, I've got to take the time to convince myself Whatever I just said, they're not going to remember anyway. And so don't worry about it. And I do that every week. So it's a great message. I've got to speak with the confidence and the passion that this is a life changing. And I've got to then live with myself that if it went awesome, great. Here's the truth is I feel like I can drop the mic right now, but that's not going to matter next week. So I got to, I can't rest on 
what I just spoke on. And if it was bad, whatever. So I, I t- try and get it out of my mind, whether it was awesome or whether it just bombed, I try and forget about it uh, within a couple hours. Gotcha. Any final words of wisdom as we wrap up here for people that are giving, like if I'm creating a talk and you're creating 45 in a year and I'm just trying to come up with one and I'm just maybe overthinking it, or I feel like I have too many ideas or not enough ideas, uh, any wisdom bits that you would give us? Well, I would just say that uh, the main goal for me is that the audience would feel like, man, there's been a great connection and we've moved them towards application. So no matter where you're speaking, and sometimes as a speaker, I've, I've put too much focus on finding the best illustration. And I've heard people give awesome illustrations. I'm like, man, I need to find that illustration. And then I've heard some great speakers who they had such a crazy connection with the crowd. And the crowd was laughing, rolling, and then on the edge of their seats for a serious points. And it wasn't because of a great illustration. It was just a great connection. And those great speakers, what they would do, they would take any illustration, any story, personal, something they stumbled upon, and they were able to connect with the crowd with their passion in such a way the crowd felt it, that, that it really was effective communication. So for me, I, I think that the biggest tool is whatever environment you're speaking in, It's not finding the magic bullet to communicate as much as taking what you have and really focusing all your energy and how do I make this come alive in the audience? And and the key isn't the magic illustration that we find or the content we got to find out there. The key is just having your radar up, being able to present it in a way that they don't see it coming and they put their guards down. And then when they see that there's a principle that comes out of that illustration, man, it'll move them towards some life change. So I would encourage everybody, you've got the content, you've got a front row seat to amazing illustrations every day all around you. Keep those radars up and then deliver them with passion. Beautiful. Well, very well said. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes. Hey, if people want to find out more about you, uh, if they want to check out the the, uh, the church that you're a part of, or uh, I would also say this, that you are one of the more entertaining people that I follow in the online world. So I would encourage people to, uh, to stalk you on Twitter. So where can we find you uh, online? Well, my website is Jeremy Always Beats Grant at pingpong.com, but that will link you to uh, my church website, northpointchurch.tv, northpointchurch.tv. My Twitter handle is 123JeremyJ at 123JeremyJ, and that's it. And I uh, would love to uh, connect with anyone if it's helpful. Awesome. Thanks for the time, brother. Appreciate you. All right. See you, buddy. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeremy Johnson. Again, just a great dude. He's a uh, he's a pretty solid ping pong player as well. You, you've heard me talk a lot about ping pong, so if you'd like to play me sometime, just come to Nashville. I'm happily happily meet you and uh, destroy you anywhere you would like. Okay, we got off topic a little bit there, but hey, again, if you haven't already, make sure you pick up your free ticket by going over to thespeakerlabsummit.com. Again, thespeakerlabsummit.com. Again, just a couple days left on that, so don't want to miss out on that. All right, I think that wraps up episode 99. We'll catch you next time for episode 100. You're not going to want to miss it. We are doing a, okay, a couple things here. I'm just going to tease you about. One, we've got a big announcement about the podcast that you're not going to want to miss. All right, so make sure you catch episode 100 for that. Also, we're going to be doing a big giveaway that you're not going to want to miss. We're going to be giving lifetime access away to something. Okay, you're going to find out about that uh, on episode 100. And then finally, it's just kind of a cool episode. So this is something we haven't done before. You're just you're just going to enjoy it, all right? We tried to do something a little bit different here for this episode, and uh, I think you're going to dig it. So episode 100, make sure you download that one. All right, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time, my friend. You're awesome.